Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome, people, to episode 160 uh, of Dude and the Monkey. I am one of your co-hosts, Mark Foster, and as ever, I am joined by... Ah, Ian Loring, hi. Uh, what, what are you drinking, Ian? I got a couple of Vocation Brewery beers for today. Oh, very nice. I got Life and Death and Pride and Joy. <laughs> Life and Death is the one I just cracked out. It's a 6.5%. So that's, that's a Thursday night beer. <laughs> yeah, boy. Fuck it. <laughs> Why the fuck not? The thing the thing is, I've been trying to keep it like a little bit on the down low of late. And um, I had a job interview today, so I'm kind of in chill mode now. Oh, so, sweet. A job interview which involved me um, building Lego Star Wars models. Yeah, that's, that's strange, that, bud. I've not heard that one. Like, fucking... So I do the interview and then I know at the end there's a half hour thing where I've got to do some sort of presentation. It's like, OK, and it wasn't to work at the Lego store or anything. This was like an internal vacancy in, in my workplace, which is uh, essentially an investment management company. And they like the guy pulled out this Lego bag. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he's like, we want you to basically present how someone would build this it's like okay you've got half an hour do it whatever way you want it's got to follow these points right we'll see you in a half hour i'm just staring at this star wars <laughs> lego box just like what what the fuck at any point do you think oh, i hope i can keep this afterwards <laughs> i actually asked um but yeah so that was interesting and the thing is, I did it from the point of view as if I was working in a Lego store and it was like showing someone one of the, like, the hot new products for the year and like how to build it. And, you know, we've got to we've got to have fun with building it because like it's I mean, it's essentially a training role I've going for. So I was taking it from a training perspective. And one yeah. of the other guys in my department went for the job and had the interview in the afternoon. And he said he took it from the position that he was a chief in the first order telling people how to construct this turret i was like fuck that's good that, that that's good but i think he's overcomplicated it it's like maybe maybe but the thing is if this guy gets it yan he's brilliant this guy like he's a really good dude if he gets it fair fucking play if if any of the other jokers go in for the interview there's two others being interviewed tomorrow if they get it i don't know who they are fuck them <laughs> but if me or Jan get it, then great. So I am very much in chill mode. This fucking life and death is gorgeous. How are you anyway? You're right. I am not bad. I am having the work week from hell. Uh, we'll say that uh, I'm having an absolute hellish, uh, hellish week, um, which I can only uh, assume is going to get even fucking worse tomorrow because I've got an incredibly difficult fitting to go tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, and when anything's difficult, I haven't had anything that difficult this week. Just everything that could fucking go wrong has gone wrong this week. So uh, I'm, I'm just literally, I'm focused on six o'clock tomorrow night, which is a roundabout when I think I'll finish my fitting tomorrow. And if I can get to that point without having some kind of breakdown, I am going to be a very, very happy man. <laughs> Sounds good. Yes. Uh, so other than that, all good. Um, is there anything in the uh, wonderful world of movies that we need to talk about before we get into trailers that's happened this week? Well, today as we record Thursday the 19th, there was a like big thing in the Daily Mail set that, Daniel Craig had turned down $100 million to play Bond in two more films. 
Jeez, that's wow. So that is that is look, I'm done with this shit. Levels of no. That is a man quite literally going, I am too rich already to care about that. I mean, he's probably he's probably got a shitload of money. He's banging Rachel Weiss. He can pretty much to an extent do what he wants in terms of acting. So good on him. You could see that actually pissing Daniel Craig off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, 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 I'm looking. I'm looking at one of those terrible, um, you know, net worth things, um, and it lists Daniel Craig being worth around near a hundred million dollars, so around know. fifty million quid. I'm so, sure. I'm sure he's happy with that. I, I'm sure he's not going to be too bothered. And the thing about it is, is that's like because it sounds a lot. Doesn't it? I mean, hundred million dollars is an incredible amount of money, isn't it? Mm. It is. But a James Bond movie to do two more—that's effectively like five years of his life, mm. really. You know, so in that amount of time, he could probably do five, ten million dollars and get you know half of that amount, but do less work. Exactly. Yeah. No. Exactly. 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 I mean, like he's um, booked to do a like one series TV show yeah. like so and like apparently he's actually pretty into that by all accounts so you know they'd have to wait anyway now I mean the, the kind of the scuttlebutt because last week Tom Hiddleston was apparently photographed um like out with uh, Bar- <coughs> Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson I believe yeah who were the producers of the Bond film so then the scuttlebutt was Hiddleston will be Bond and I'm kind of okay with that because it's going to be a very different Bond, but it would be cool to see Bond, <laughs> sorry, excuse me, go back to straight up charming. It will, yeah. It'll be cool to see that. <coughs> the issue sorry. I'd have with that is does he go back to straight up charming or do we go back to that kind of smarmy, hyper-misogynistic Bond that was kind of creeping in a little bit in, in the previous couple of films a little bit. I don't think in this day and age, I don't think that would happen with an actor like Hiddleston. And I That is the thing, Hiddleston does seem a little bit too... Hiddleston seems a little bit too sort of smart and a little bit too... Um, just a nice guy, I suppose, is the best way to do it. Too moralistic, I suppose, uh, yeah. to, to, kind of, to kind of allow that. You could see him being the sort of guy who would go... I don't think I'm going to say that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it, it's a dick thing to say. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, like we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'd, I'd be okay with Hiddleston. I like the fact as well that if that was Craig's last film, it basically ends with Bond driving off into the sunset with a girl. Yeah, which and is quite nice. That that because that felt weirdly Spectre felt like. Apart from the kind of leaving it open with Blofeld, it kind of felt like an ending. It did, and you, you almost wonder whether or not that Mendes and and Craig kind of orchestrated that themselves, so that they could kind of go, look, there's a break there. Mm-hmm. There's a there, there, there you you could quite easily say that is that's the last one without sort of saying, oh, but it was left too open. They could say, there you go, there's the break. I think as, as well as the, you know, who's the new Bond, the new interesting one will be who who's going to be helming it, you know, who's going to be behind the camera this time. It, it is just as interesting as who's going to be actually be sort of directing, who's going to be actually starring as Bond. 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, it's it's going to be an interesting couple of months or so because it does kind of feel like they're going to need to start revving up for the next Bond if they were going to want one out next year. It kind of feels like they need to be getting on with it now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. And I think maybe after the, the, the kind of slightly mixed reception that Spectre got, it might be good to kind of just, like, just set fire to it and kind of start over again, you know? Yeah. You know, sort of go, right, this hasn't ended on a on a bad note. It hasn't ended in, in disaster. Spectre still made a fucking shit ton of money. Mm. Uh, they can kind of go, do you know what? That that little bit of bond there has quite literally taken it from the level it was at to the level above where everyone expects it to ever be. And, you know, it's taken the jokiness away from it. Um, And maybe the seriousness and the moodiness needs to kind of temper a little bit with the future ones. I don't personally think so, but for for fans of the franchise, they seem to. Uh, Then they can kind of do that without it going back to the, you know, the ridiculousness of, of, of the sort of the wave beforehand, the Brosnan ones, etc., which had that very naughty kind of polish to them. Yeah, and I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see Tom Hiddleston interacting with Ray, uh, Ray Fiennes, like, just mm. because the age difference would be quite a bit less than Craig and Fiennes. And, you know, yeah. so it's less of a slightly, kind of slightly same generation thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be really interesting. And I think from a commercial point of view, He's a bit four quadrant, is Hiddleston as well. Like everybody loves him. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That, that is. It. I mean, part of the reason I think why everyone loves him is, is because you know he's he's proven to be you know quite talented. He's he's got that cross, but also he comes across as quite. He plays the game very well. That was an issue I think that that, that Craig had was he's bristly. There's no getting away from it. He's he's bristly, but, and it worked for the way that he was working with Bond. Yeah, no, totally. But there was this whole, like, I'd rather slip my wrist than do another one comment, you know. Yeah. And it, it's like, just the general Eon machine, the production company behind Bond, I bet they're just like, we could, yeah, we could kind of do without that. So, yeah, I, he, he did seem like uh, somebody who, during the Spectre sort of press sort of run, was kind of saying stuff that he knew would would piss people off mm-hmm. like like quite literally saying yeah I've, i have no problem with uh, if somebody comes up and he's getting in my face and getting over the top with asking for autographs and photos and things like that i i have no problem with saying oh please fuck off mm-hmm. and it's like yeah you're, you're you you are quite literally try- intentionally being a dick now good on him though fuck it fuck it yeah you know why not you know, like, like I said, when we were talking about before, I, I, a friend of mine worked on a film that uh, Craig was working on and said he was a really nice guy. But, he's very much, but apparently he's a very nice guy, very chatty, talks, loves his football, uh, but doesn't really want anyone to know what he does outside of work. Quite a pers- quite a private guy. And fair play to him. You know. Why not? That's why it's not a particularly movie star thing, especially in in this kind of day and age. But yeah, fuck it, dude's got chops as well. So yeah, fuck it. I, but I, I look forward to like if Hiddleston does it, I look forward to seeing what that is. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Cannes been happening as well. Um, haven't seen it because I've because I've literally been mental all week. I've seen nothing about Cannes. At all, other than the occasional thing that says that it's happening. Beyond that, 
I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm slightly disappointed that um, Xavier Dolan's um, film seems to be getting some of the um, the worst reviews, if not the worst reviews of the in-competition stuff. I'm... That, that can sometimes be a bit of a, you know, blessing, though, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but it's not in the kind of, like, the train wrecky kind of way. Just It's just not very good. Uh... You know, but the Neon Demon, I think, screens tonight. So... Yeah, and refins are very much a cans. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like the, the Kirsten Stewart film, um, for which there was a trailer out this week as well, uh, Personal Shopper, which is the new Olivier Assayas film. Um, I'm, I'm very, very into that. Um, Kirsten Stewart, Kristen Stewart in a kind of a ghost story kind of thing, but where she plays a personal shopper. Yeah, why not? I'll, I'll, I'll watch that. Clouds of Sils Maria was fantastic. So, um, and I mean, it appreciably slight spoil kind of spoiler alert for clouds of sills maria coming up it appreciably gets worse when Kristen stewart is just not in it for the last 20 25 minutes so that there's that she and Asaya seem to have a thing going on so i'm i'm, I'm up for that as well it, it um, but i mean like um uh fucking jeff nichols uh film loving uh got good like some good words you know it seems like it seems like it's been a strong year for can and um Considering all the fucking TVs, the new cinema bobbins, um, I'm very, very glad for that. Yes, absolutely, yeah. It's, like you say, it's one of those things, it's not, they're two separate mediums. Mm. You know, they can be, you can like them both, people. Yeah, yeah, quite. But, yeah, there you go, cool. Cool, uh, right, uh, trailers, uh, what have you seen this week? There's been a, there's been a few hours, actually, hasn't there, this week? Yeah, I mean, it's been um, like a good week and a half since we last recorded, so I've got quite a lot. Uh, just a second, I'm just going to mute my mic a sec. Sorry about that. Okay, so, yeah, I've seen quite a lot. So, um, oh, God, uh, Yoga Hoses. Um, Not seeing that one. Yeah, well, you know, it is. It is, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, ba, 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 ba. Oh, Christ, I've clicked on the wrong thing on Trailer Reddit. Um, Nerve, which is... Ooh, yes, yeah. Yeah, um, Emma Roberts and Dave Franco, like, getting dared to do things on the internet, and then it all goes wrong. Um, it reminds me a little bit of, do you remember the, um, Amanda Seyfried and, uh, Justin Timberlake film In Time? In Time, sure, sure. Yeah, it reminds me, not in terms of, like, how it looks or anything like that, but that kind of, that kind of medium of, of, here's two young stars... Here you go. Except they look like they're about 15. <laughs> Both of them. The fuck? Hang on. Sorry. Um, there's a fucking ad auto-playing on... Hello. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, there was an ad auto-playing on Trailer Addicts, and it was insanely loud. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no problem, though. So it was like in time, but what? It's, it's, it's like like in time uh, the the, the uh, film, but not like in terms of story anything like that. But just sort of like the way that they they pitched in time as look, it's these two hip young stars. Here you go. Uh, but the problem is that Dave, neither Dave Franco or Emma Roberts look like actual full grown people. They both look like they they both look incredibly young in that movie. Did I say Amanda Seyfried earlier on? I might have. Yeah, Emma Roberts. But yeah, no, absolutely. It kind of feels like Emma Roberts has been playing the same age for about the last 10 years. Yeah. I mean, we all know that I have a thing for Emma Roberts because I know she's violent. 
That's so, good. Like, you know, I, 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 anything that comes up, I'll go, yeah, I'll watch it, because I imagine at some point she's probably going to kick this shit out of somebody. Nice. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's a midweek Netflix. It absolutely is a midweek Netflix. You know, so, yeah, there's that. And, um, and it literally, it, it, the, the end of the trailer literally gives away the end of the film. Yeah, man, yeah. Like, it's just a way to completely tell us what the entire film is, guys. That's yeah. well done. Well it literally done. is, you could go, so that happens then. Mm-hmm. Um, and Assassin's Creed? Looks yeah. yellow. Yeah, and, and it looks all right. I'll watch it. Yeah, why I'll, not? Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll tell you one thing. I'm getting sick of this fucking rap music uh, played over every single film at the moment. Trailer. That yeah, that literally that song because they're all the same. I'm not saying all rap sounds the same because I'm a fan of rap myself, but it is literally every film of that type now has that type of score running over the trailer, and it's a bit like. Could you think of anything else? Really? Is that the best you can do? I'm a big fan of the line, Welcome to the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit like... Fair play. I mean, it, it's a good cast. Uh, it looks lovely. The, the shot of him, of Fassbender, jumping off um, the tower looks magnificent. I just hope that they can tie both worlds together, okay? There you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I, no, exactly. I mean, and it, it kind of, there was some quote saying that most of it actually takes place in the real world, which is a bit, really? I thought the yeah. whole point of it was that it's in, like, in, like, Italian history or something, or Spanish history. I mean, uh, yeah, I, mean, I watched the fuck out of it. It comes out a few days before Christmas. Um, it will be a nice thing to go after Rogue One. And, you know, yeah, great. Cool. See how it goes. Um, yeah. So, um, Billy something's long halftime walk. Oh, Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. That's the badger. Um, should be interesting, like being shot in 3D and high uh, frame rate and like all sorts of crazy shit um, Ang Lee's doing with this. Um, but I don't know, like the trailer doesn't really give much indication of what it's actually about. Um, apart from he's traumatised by war and there's some sort of big presentation going on in the American football field. And that's about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, did you see this? I've not seen it, uh... Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, what, 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 one that a couple of trailers might start to make more sense of. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, yeah. Um, the Accountant, um, which, you know, new Gavin O'Connor. Um, trailer's, yeah. trailer's quite interesting. Doesn't really tell you anything about the film, but it evokes a mood, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it is more a teaser, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. Yeah, it, it, it's it's got enough intrigue in it, I would say, certainly. Mm. And I'm sure it will be better than Jane Got a Gun. Um, yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, Hell or High Water, uh, the new film by David McKenzie, which uh, was playing at Cannes in some mm-hmm. respects. Uh, good cast, Jeff Bridges, uh, Chris Pine, Ben Foster. Uh, it's, it's been getting some good reviews. The trailer didn't particularly grab me. It kind of looked a bit VODE to me. But um, we'll see. It's like two brothers rob some banks to 
pay for some debts or something and Jeff Bridges is after them. Um, sure, why not? Yeah, uh, with that cast, I'll watch it. Yeah, totally. Just based uh, on cast alone. No, absolutely. Um, did you see the trailer for Don't Breathe? I haven't, no. Okay. I, I, I realise I, I haven't watched anywhere near as many trailers as I thought I'd watched. Okay, so the trailer for Don't Breathe. It's... Um, this girl is um, living with her like deadbeat mum and a deadbeat mum's boyfriend and her little sister, and she says, I'm going to get some money, I'm going to take you away to the sister, and the sister's like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's go. And she, uh, the girl teams up with a couple of guys to basically rob a blind man. Uh-huh. And then um, it turns out the blind man can kind of kick some ass and there's some horrory stuff going on. And there's like shots of um, somebody saying to a phone, like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. You know, like, please forgive me and stuff like that. And it's just like, well, all right, you're, you're robbing a blind man. So I don't care how fucked up your life is and how much you want to escape. You're robbing a blind man. So, you, like, if the blind man's going to kick your ass, I kind of think you deserve it. Yeah, I'm kind of on the blind man's side, yeah. So, that's interesting. The blind man is played by Stephen Lang. So, already it's like, well, the blind man is going to kick your ass. Yeah, you wouldn't, you, I don't give a shit if it, how, how fucking blind he is. You still don't mess with Stephen Lang. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about the sympathy here, but it's directed by Fede Alvarez, who did the Evil Dead remake. Um... And it's, it's produced through Ghost House Pictures again, so I'm assuming Sam Raimi's got something to do with this again. And, yeah. and I mean, like, the, I, I'm kind of intrigued to see what the fuck's actually going on, because it seems like some supernatural shit's happening. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, all for the blind man. Yeah. Fuck the robbers. Um, and uh, finally, uh, the new trailer for Ghostbusters, which I still think looks fun. I'm, I'm in agreement there. I, I still think it, it, it looks fun. Um, I'm still well up north. Yeah, and that's it for me, man. How about you? Uh, good morning, lad. Uh, the uh, second trailer for uh, Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping. Um, still very worried that, that this is going to run out of steam very, very quickly in the movie. Um, so yeah, it, it's. If there's nothing else out of the cinema that week, uh, I'll go and see it. But if there's anything else out, I'll I'll probably just not. Yeah, honest. I mean, I, I I like me some Sandberg. I'm I'm, I'm in. I, I I like Sandberg. Uh, I, I can say if, if it's anything over a hundred minutes, I'll be going. Ooh, that film should be eighty-eight minutes long. I'm assuming it's eighty-five minutes, just based off the trailer. I'm assuming it's eighty-five minutes. Yeah, it should be. Um, the Purge election year, the latest trailer for that. Hmm. Um. This looks like there's a lot of batshit shit going on in that, and I like that that it looks like it's going it's going full fucking genre. Um, and you know the first two are quite genre picky anyway. I, I like the fact that it's going hyper stylized and essentially now treating the purge like it, it's gone beyond just a point where people uh, can commit crimes. It's now essentially a crime party for everybody, and mm. you know there's almost an, like a, like a cosplay element to it. It's quite it looks quite fun really. Um, so I'm very much up for that. Um, and the uh, latest trailer for um, Sausage Party, mm. um, which again, like pop stars, never stop, never stopping. I- I'm worried that that literally once once the joke's revealed, that it's just going to tell the same joke over and over again, and you're going to be going, right, okay, this is this is a funny idea. Mm. But have you managed to wrap an entire story around it? I trust Rogan and Goldberg, but the trailers that's aren't it. selling me. That's yeah, for sure. That, that's what that's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I trust the people behind it, but the like you say, the trailers are making me go. Hmm. 
a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and beyond that, uh, that's that's everything I've seen. Cool, man. Cool. Shall we jump into our feature review then? Yeah, boy. Uh, we are reviewing uh, the new Richard Linklater movie, uh, Everybody Wants Some. Uh, it's his first film since uh, the incredibly successful, both critically and commercially, I think, um, Boyhood, which won Academy Awards. Mm. Uh, it's him going back to sort of his, his medium, I suppose, uh, in it being a period piece comedy. Uh, set around sort of college years and school years. Uh, spiritual sequel um, to uh, Dazed and Confused, but also was kind of inspired and kind of the idea of it whilst he was making... Uh, I think not whilst, he said he was um, watching Boyhood, apparently. Uh, really? Sorry, That's interesting. Said, said that, um, it, it, that he, he came up with the idea uh, from you know the end of Boyhood where... Um, his roommate comes in, mm. uh, and it's the, it's sort of like them before it's it's those few days before school where everybody kind of gets together, but school hasn't quite started, and that's where he kind of came up with the idea, and then he went back and we dazed and confused and put everything together and sort of came up with this this film that's set in Texas in 1980, where you have it's essentially it's a, it's the Baseball team for a college have been given two houses that they are going to live in that are off campus. And um, one of the new sort of freshmen there, uh, Jake, turns up and it's about him integrating with the, the current people that are already there, as well as the new guys that have come along as well. Uh, as is usual uh, with, with Dr. Winterlinkler, uh, it stars people who aren't necessarily household names or big stars but have done little bits and around. So you've got Will Britton, Zoe Dutch uh, is there, Ryan Guzman, Taylor Heuchney, uh White Russell turns up as well, which is quite cool. Um, Very and, smart casting, by the way. Yes. Considering uh, the arc of that character, really yes. smart casting. Because, yes, because when he, when he first comes in, you kind of go, hmm. But, yeah, but then or real. Remember, all suppose all the time. Um, but yeah, it's essentially one of those Linklater movies where there's no real plot. It's just these things happen. Um, so, Ian, uh, everybody wants some. What do you think? Yeah, so I mean, it, it's a bit of a risky proposition um, here as well, because to an extent, Linklater is going back to the well. And, you know, people could pardon me, maybe accuse him of being um, like resting on his laurels and like trying to have an easy win or something. But mm. I... Um, I mean, what what's a better film, Boyhood or or Everybody Wants Some? Boyhood. What would I watch again a lot quicker? Everybody Wants Some. Um, I was very entertained by it. Um, I certainly I certainly don't think it's perfect, and I think that if you do not key into the vibe of watching these guys hang out, then you're in for a tough time. And that, that has happened with some people. Um, yeah, but I had a really good time spending a couple of hours with these guys. I was in the tank for them. Like as soon as the rappers delight sequence happened, (laughs) which is, which is quite early, which is early. Yeah. The kind of the vibe that you get with these guys hanging around, I thought was really, really um, well done. And I think it just about does enough to sh- like to show that 
the women characters are not just fuck bunnies, just. Um, even though, to be fair, there's a lot, there are a lot of these, too many of these probably, but it is a story about guys hanging around with each other generally, so it's mainly guys, and it is what it is. And for what it was, I had a really good time with it. Yeah. Um, I think what I'd add to what you're saying, um, going back to what you're saying about it, um, the the idea that, it, that essentially this movie, it doesn't, it's not telling a story. It's not taking you somewhere. It's showing you things that happened. And if you watch Dazed and Confused and said after that, that's just a bunch of kids on a night out, nothing happens, then don't watch this because this is just essentially that kind of thing. However, if you did watch Dazed and Confused and you loved Dazed and Confused, then you will probably love Everybody Wants Some because that's what it is. And Linklater is fantastic at doing um, this that he does. And it's, it's really amazing to see how with Linklater, how he's grown in the sort of 23 years since Dazed and Confused uh, was out, how his kind of personality is, has changed a little bit and how the movie world has changed a little bit and how he's, he's thrown those in but still set it as a, as a period piece as well. It is really, really clever. Um, the guys are... There's none of them that are instantly kind of dislikable as, as such. They all have their quirks and have their... The moments where you you know you don't really like them, but yeah, um, I, I think that the, the the thing you were saying about the the whole it's a lot of guys doing guy things and there's women in there. I I I don't think it ever veers off anything beyond it. I think that it's it, it's the girls give as good as they get in it, and there's a a moment in it where you know it, it basically acknowledges the fact that look this isn't as manipulating girls in a bed. They want this as well. And they're hunting us as well in a little bit in the same way as, as in Dazed and Confused does that as well. Um, you know, there's, he throws that, that kind of, um, the, the sort of sociology bits in there and the, the kind of psychology of everything and the, the more sort of deeper moments that he, that, um, like later, especially sort of, started doing pre and so post uh, waking life but now if you go back and watch things that are pre uh, waking life it, it's it's aching that it's already there it's just that maybe it seems a little bit more uh, prevalent um, post sort of waking life but they're there especially and especially with the um, Glenn Powell character um Finnegan you know he's he's kind of this um prophetic guy who's sat reading Kerouac and uh, is sort of philosophizing, you know, the existence of what's going on. Uh, it's wonderful in the fact that they essentially, they snapshot um, the, the movements that are within sort of the 80s by these different parties that they each go to and they each put on costumes to. And not only do they do that, they actually have a scene where the two almost main characters or the two central characters actually discuss the fact that they keep on going to these different parties, dressed in these different outfits, and then logicise it. It's fantastic. Yeah. It, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a great time spending time with these characters. And one of the, I think, one of the, the most interesting kind of actual moments in, in the film is the, there's a point where you're going, 
we're an hour and ten minutes into this, and they're baseball players, and not at any point have they played any baseball. Mm. And then we get an entire sort of segment of them just at, at baseball practice. And it's fantastic. It's one of the best sequences in the film. Because it's just, it, it's, it's, you almost think that they're never actually going to play baseball, that they're not actually just serious about baseball. It, they just like, they just talk about it. And then you actually realise, no, that there's, there's actually, they are actually good at this. And they, they, are, they do actually take it seriously. It, it's, it's really quite, quite fantastic in those moments. And I was I, the same as you. Once the Rapper's Delight came on, I was like, right, do you know what? I'm sitting back. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to spend time with this now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, um, like I say, it's not perfect. Um, I think Glenn Powell is maybe a little bit too overly... I, 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 the, I, the way he, he kind of performs it, the, like the way he's a little bit more deep thinking than the others... And he, he's quite—he's a little bit too overly expressive with it. I think it almost kind of feels like when he's got this stuff to say, he's really like excited about it. And he's really focused. And he's kind of almost grabbing someone and just kind of like articulating with his eyes and his mouth and just like—I I, I mean, the, the thing is, I watched it on Sunday. It's Thursday now. I'm finding it hard to think of specific um, no, kind of like yeah. l- delivery and stuff like that. But he felt. He felt a little bit too on at times for me. Um, and I think Blake Jenner, he's, he's good. He is good. He's a little, but he is a little bland. But I think maybe his character is a little bit like that. Like, I, I mean, I like the way that he he was a big fish in a small pond and now he's a small fish in a, in a kind of a big pond. And I, I do like that, but I didn't find his character super super compelling but he's not no he's not the guy who's taking you through it isn't the most interesting character in the film it's the rest of them Mm. that make up the interesting people but i think tyler hocklin is is very good um i like i like his kind of like he's a bit of a dick and he feels threatened but um yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a great moment with him, uh, though, where uh, when the, what's the name, the other pitcher guy, the guy who's mad, can't remember his name. Oh, fuck, yeah, but yeah, yeah, no. Even uh, like, Jay I, Niles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he comes over to apologise him, and he just goes, and he's, he's struggling to apologise, he just kind of like, leaves you out and taps him and goes, yeah, we're cool. Yeah, and I mean, there's a the butt slap and whatnot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the butt slap. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that that's the thing. I mean, like, I like the way that conflicts are brought up and resolved like that. And things are kind of brought up and then they, they don't get paid, paid, like, kind of played on. Like, the, the scene earlier on where the coach is saying, like, no taking girls upstairs, no alcohol. And there's never any reprimand for that. Yeah, it's 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 typical kind of Linklater in the sense that he builds all of these things, and normally you'd think there's going to be a crescendo, but it, it, there isn't. It, it doesn't. He never goes beyond kind of the remits of standard reality into uh, these. He never shows you big, massive, life-altering moments. He just shows you moments. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way of putting it, and it works. Um, it works really well. Um, yeah. You know, and you don't need that stuff. You just, 
you're spending a few days in the life of, of these guys, and then it's done. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's not particularly saying anything, but then no actor is as bad as the alcoholic dad in Boyhood. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's that. I think it, it, everybody, it, like you said, the casting's fantastic in terms of everybody is is solid in it, um, and it, it it runs along at a nice pace and things happen at a nice pace. And like, like I said, nobody's an arsehole. You know, there's a few dicks in there, but no one's an arsehole. But it it has the camaraderie of a team in the fact that they're allowed to dislike each other within the team and be arseholes to each other within the team, but. That's because they're teammates. If somebody else is an arsehole to that person that they don't like within the team, they're still going to defend the guy from the team because that's how teamwork works. And it, it gets together that kind of that camaraderie. Um, and it also it addresses the ridiculousness of we've been given this, we've been given these two houses because we're on the baseball team. And let's be honest, out of all of us, maybe one of us might ever get to to make it to the big leagues. But everybody, when they got here, thought that that one was going to be them. And most of us still think that that one's going to be us. Except, and Glenn Barber said, except me, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to do it. Yeah, no, no, it's, <laughs> it, it, that, that's, that's, that's kind of awesome, sorry. Yeah, it, it, his acceptance has kind of made him go, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this, but at the same time, I'm actually going to work on the fact that I'm actually quite smart to actually ensure that when this doesn't happen, I, I'm not left going... Oh, oh God, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, like, and that, that oh God, no thing is, is um, exemplified by uh, Willoughby, uh, White Russell's character. And, yeah. I mean, who basically feels like, is it Wooderson in Days that Confuse the Matthew? Yeah, Wooderson, yeah. The, he, he's that character, essentially. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even the names are sim- similar. You know, I don't, I don't think that's an accident. And um, I just, I love that casting of White Russell because you do watch him at the start just thinking like, Right, he he looks uh, like not not like in retardedly older than yeah. Like it's not like the time at my secondary school where a Channel Four crew introduced like integrated like a thirty year old into my sixth form class for six weeks without actually telling us he was thirty, and all we ever said was that guy looks fucking old. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, that, 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 I mean, that happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's all. That's all we. Yeah, that was fucking mental. But you know, so it's not like that. <laughs> it sounds like it was well. Yeah, but it's not like that. But the fucking the cameraman like took my copy of Requiem for a Dream on DVD, and they basically got chased out of town once it was all found out. So I never got it back. Fucker. Um, yeah, but um, anyway. Um, yeah, sorry, where was I? No, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. But he does feel like, oh, that's movie casting of a college kid. Yeah. But then it turns out, well, no, actually. So Linklater is very, very, very clever there because none of the other guys look like they're too old for it, but Willoughby kind of does. Yeah, he does, but if that it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been the point to an issue. No. It would have been we'd have probably said, Don't you think White Russell was a little bit looked a little bit too old maybe for it though? Oh. But not 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 like you say to a glaring point. Um it, it didn't feel out of place. Um everybody kind of sort of sat 
quite nice. I, I thought the guy who uh, had the moustache and the, the hair and was always wearing the trucker cap, at first I thought, he looks old. But then as it went all along and you, there was more kind of close to him, you went, actually, no, he just looks like a young kid that's grown him. With a really big, bushy moustache. Yeah. Mm. You know, he just starts to look a little bit like that. But yeah, it's... The fact that it's just a bunch of gangs just hanging around, just getting drunk, trying to score, and you know, smoking weed. That's it. it it's it's very, very similar to Dazed and Confused, but it is absolutely different enough to feel like essentially a spiritual sequel. You know, if in ten years' time Linklater wanted to go, do you know what? I've done seventies, I've done eighties, I'm going to do nineties now. Mm-hmm. He'd probably still be able to tap into something that was there. Because, you know, Linklater grew up in the 80s, so he, he, he's riffing on that. So the 70s were him looking back on a decade, and the 90s is where he started to make his name as a decade. You know, I'd, I'd happily watch that. And they did go together as a wonderful kind of uh, trilogy. And who knows with Linklater what he's going to do. He's always been a director who has very much... He's dipped his toe into the studio... Um, it's a studio pool, but has very much sort of forged his own path and done his own thing, really, over the years. And it's amazing the fact that, that you know, now, because of boyhood, he, he has a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of sort of cachet about himself. And I know it's Megan Ellison who, who kind of produced this, and it's fantastic that she quite literally gives, you know, certain directors, you know, sort of carte blanche to go, look, it, it, how much money do you need to make this movie? I need this much. Right, there you go. Go make it. And don't worry about whether or not it's going to make money. Let me worry about that. And, and, by, and incidentally, I've got to say, the Annapurna Pictures production logo, I'm a fan of it. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. It, 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 I love the fact that it looks like it was it was made on like a fucking, like a, like a laptop, like an eight-year-old laptop using uh, Microsoft Movie Maker. Yeah. I love the fact that it looks like that. Uh, and that's not that's not a criticism. It, it, it's wonderful. And like it feels yeah, it, it does absolutely feel intentional, yeah. And it's great, the fact that, you know, the Annapurna uh, Pictures are, are, are giving a lot of kind of directors... Clapland's to kind of do what they want and make their movie, uh, and that's that's really fucking cool that there's, that there's somebody out there that's that's kind of allowing this to be to be art and to be watched without it having to be commerce, I suppose. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I mean, that's the thing with, with Link later. He feels like a guy who's never going to do a Marvel film, but he's not going to be a dick and go, oh, "I'd never do a Marvel film." Fuck that. He'd be yeah. like, "No, I just don't really feel like it." Yeah, it, it, it's just. It, it, to the point of where you almost feel like it's a, you know, I don't do, I, I, I wouldn't do a Marvel film. Why? Because you wouldn't want to watch the Marvel film I'd make. That so why would I make say. it? Yeah. Um, you know, he, he made School of Rock. You know, he, he's done that type of picture. You know, and I think that that it, it works for him. But this is this is him. Literally, there's a there's such a a confidence and a bravado in, in this movie. Straight away, where it's a guy who quite literally is going, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. And you're going to enjoy this. Yeah, totally. So, go along with the ride, and I, I, I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, thank you. If you don't, you know, I'm sorry. But the people who, who enjoyed it are going to really enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, yeah, de- definitely not shit. Definitely not shit. Um, I, I'm going to go as far as to say... Because um, Becky wanted to come watch this with me, but um, we couldn't work out times because um, of our crappy week. Um, so she didn't, but she just said, "Like I really want to see it." So we might actually, I might actually go to see it again next week. Nice. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually going 
you know what? I'm actually quite looking forward to watching this again. I'd happily go and see it again in the cinema because I just had such a great time with it. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a day one. It, it actually would be a day one blue for me, um, or 4K if it. I don't think it would come out on 4K, but if it did, but yeah, day one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so cool, Ian. Um, what have you been watching? Um, so there's there's one that I'm not going to talk about because I think Noel might be on the show next week. I think he is going to be on the show because we're chatting uh, X-Men, so he's actually in the country because last time he was out of the country. Um, yeah, he's out. He's, he's in the country for a few days in May. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I think Noel's going to be on. So there was one that I was we were talking about on WhatsApp that he said he'd get watched so we could talk about it, so I'll leave that for now. Uh, but, yeah. I've wa- you know, I've watched quite a few things, actually, because, you know, it's been a while since we recorded. So mm. um, I watched The Duelists, uh, which is Ridley Scott's new, uh, first film, uh, which is actually on yes. movie at the moment. Um, there's a few movie watches here, actually. Um, and I, I did a written review for Vodzilla, but I, I will say I, I really enjoyed this. It's um, It still feels quite fresh, actually. It's basically and it's not nearly as staid as I kind of thought it was going to be going in. It's basically... Harvey Keitel gets pissed off at Keith Carradine and then through military rule every now and then they basically have a duel <laughs> because Harvey Keitel won't give up his beef. Keith Carradine basically spends the whole film going, why is he so pissed off with me? And then every like every 20, 25 minutes or so they have a bit of a fight and it kind of goes through about 30 years but it's brilliant because like <laughs> there's stuff where like they're in the army, and they're allowed to have duels as long as they are of the same rank. So there's like, okay. there's, yeah, I don't know, I don't know whether that's based on fact or not. But there's one bit where Keith Carradine is basically hiding from Harvey Keitel, and he's trying to hide from him for a few days because he's about to be promoted to a rank above Keitel. So then Keitel can't <laughs> touch him. So then he's like just trying to kind of evade him because like then Keitel can't touch it because of procedure. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they, they, they have these duels. And there's one that's uh, on the horseback, which is kind of fucking mental, actually. It uses really, really fast cuts, like really fast cuts to get into their mind's eye. And it's very effective. And the last one takes place on quite a massive landscape. And it's quite a fucking tense little sequence but it's it's a really interesting character study uh, between like two guys who just kind of need to sit down and have a beer and just fucking hash it out <laughs> but won't because they're, they're because they're blokes and it's not what they do i it, it's it's kind of fascinating but it's really entertaining it's actually quite funny as well so i am um, yeah, it's it's quite a heavy recommend as the duelists actually, and like I say, it's on movie for about another three weeks. Um, Victor Frankenstein, the uh, oh. the the Max Landis direct uh, written film directed by Paul McGuigan, who director of Gangster Number One and uh, Push, the like superhero one that Chris Evans and Dakota Fanning were in a while back. Oh, but yeah. he's also I've got, got... I've got that on Blu-ray. Nice. I do actually. I do actually own that on Blu-ray. I bought it for two pounds from Asda. I don't remember it being terrible, just very anonymous. But um, it, it, it literally, I, I remember nothing about it. I've yeah, seen. yeah, I don't really remember a thing. Um, but um, 
Yeah, he's also directed a few episodes of Sherlock. And oh, right. boy, can you tell. Um, uh. McAvoy basically plays Frankenstein as a more gregarious Sherlock. Um, and there's a lot of... You don't watch Sherlock, do you? No, I don't. There's a lot of st- like stuff up on screen in, in Sherlock, like trying to get into Sherlock's mind's eye of how he's working stuff out. And it's very similar to getting into Frankenstein's mind's eye and like how, how he's working stuff out. And it's a bit, oh, God. And the, 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 the score sounds like it was done by the guy who did the score for Sherlock. Um, that kind of mixed with, Sher- with um, the uh, Hans Zimmer score for Sherlock Holmes. It's very like derivative stuff. Um, and, and I will say as well, the third act is fucking bobbins. It, but McAvoy and Radcliffe together are actually pretty entertaining. Mm. Um, they they have a good chemistry together. Um, and on occasion, it's sprightly enough. Right. <laughs> um, but it's... It's not a recommend, but it's it's it's. I don't. I really don't think it's a train wreck. It's. I think it's what like 105 minutes long or something. And oh god, yeah. And I'm just reading my letterbox review, and I am Kazam commented on it. Uh, the biggest problem was the police character. Yeah. Okay. So Andrew Scott, who plays Moriarty in BBC's Sherlock. Um, <laughs> plays a police detective who's kind of on Frankenstein's tail and he is not great. It's like, how many antagonists does this film need? Because there's also a guy who bankrolls Frankenstein's um, work for his own, like, for his own evil gains. And it is a little, right, so... You can't have Frank, Victor Frankenstein being the, like, the bad guy because he's got to be sympathetic. So yeah. you've got a cop played by Andrew Scott from TV's Sherlock, who um, is not really a bad guy either because he's very, very religious. And the film does the lazy thing of basically making the religious person be the bad guy, um, which, you know, I, 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 people with faith, they're not bad people. People who try to enforce their faith on other people, maybe they are. But then his character gets less kind of bad guy as it goes on, as there's, like, backstory revealed as to, like, why he's so, like, zealous in his faith. So then Freddy Fox is the benefactor guy, and then, yeah, he is a bad guy, but he's not in it enough to be the bad guy. So it's all these people fucking swirling around. And then you've got Frankenstein's monster, who, at the end of the film, it's basically like, right, okay, so the like the original Frankenstein, the monster is just this like essentially this poor creature that's like made against its own will essentially, and here, now nah, it's just a like guy in a fucking rubber suit who just pummels people. I it <laughs> it, it, it just it's it's insanely pointless um yeah it, it sounds a little meh. and i mean like charles dance turns up for a scene as uh frankenstein's dad 
because why not? Yeah, exactly. Why not? And I don't know. Igor has a love interest. You know, it it just it's it's really weirdly filmmaking by committee. But to start the whole idea of it in the first place is the idea of a of fucking Max Landis. But then it kind of I don't know. It feels like it's something that got taken away from him, but it probably wasn't. He's just a, a, a little bit ropey. Sounds like it just it like it, it it just thinks a little bit too much of itself. It's trying to be too clever. Slightly, yeah. Um, I I, mean, I don't know. I mean, it's but I mean, McAvoy and Radcliffe are fun. They actually almost make it worth a watch because of their interactions. Almost. Not quite. Not quite, though. Um, I mean, Christ, if it was if it was 15 minutes short, if it was under 90 minutes, definitely why not? If it was under 90 minutes, it would probably be a 3 out of 5. Ah. So there you go. Take Freddy Fox's character out of it. Cut yourself 15 minutes. Job done. So there you go. Sweet. Um, so I've got a few more. I'll just pile through them, shall I? Or Yeah, cool, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, so I rewatched Starsky and Hutch, which... <laughs> Do it. Do it, do it, do it. Which I really like, except for the fact that it looks like shit. It does look like shit, but I, I, I'm, I'm in the camp of I really like it. I no, I mean like there's damn solid fucking laughs in Starsky and Hutch, but it looks like there's a light shining directly on Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson's faces in every single scene. It look, I mean, the cinematography is atrocious, atrocious. Yes, atrocious. Um, I mean, who the fuck? I'm going to have a look now. It's like, it's going to I'm, I'm, I'm having a look as well. I'm trying try to remember who, who shot it. Barry Peterson, um, who shot... That, that, that sounds like they, they got somebody off the street. <laughs> well, he shot the Jump Street films, which actually look good. They look really um, quite good, actually, yeah. Uh, Zoolander, We're the Millers, Sisters, Jumper, The Watch, Vacation, Dark Blue, randomly... Hollywood Homicide and Starsky and Hutch. They're not too bad at looking at films. Uh, Starsky and Hutch looks like hammered shit. So. Starsky and Hutch does, yeah, but the rest of them are, are all right. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. There you go. Um, okay, and I watched on Netflix, I watched uh, Circle. Circle Jack. Circle. So, film starts off. People... There are these people standing in a circle and they all look like they're asleep. And then one of them wakes up and they're like, what the, what the hell's going on? What the hell's going on? Steps out of this like dot that's below them and then they get killed. Oh. And then everybody else wakes up. And basically it's some alien force have abducted these people, put them all in a circle and every like two minutes or so, they all have to like think of who they'd want, who they want to die, out of the other people in the circle, and then the one with the most votes gets killed off. <laughs> oh. Um. So, like, the thing is, I stuck it on because it was like eighty-five minutes. And Cir- I- Circle is literally one of those movies that I think literally everybody who has Netflix, which is three quarters of the population of the world, has hovered over. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, and yeah, it's an interesting idea, but then it turns into, 
oh, you're going to kill me because I'm blah, 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 blah. Oh, well, no, that's a good point. Maybe you're not. Oh, no, I am, actually. All right, then, you can die. <laughs> it's like, that. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, there's a Hispanic like guy with tats and a beard and, like, a cut-off shirt. And, like, they're all, like... Like, the people are like, well, you're obviously a piece of shit. You're a dirtbag. And he's like, well, what, you know, why, you know, why is that then? Just because of my tattoos and blah, blah, blah. And then a couple of minutes later, like, a police officer character is like, hey, I know you. You beat up your wife and nearly killed her and blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, you don't know what you're talking about, man. Yeah, it was you. And he's like, the bitch deserved it, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then bang, he's dead. And like, I mean, there's a there's like a a black guy who's like saying like, oh, it's funny how all the black people are getting killed off, and then like all the other people are like, you know, stop, you know, stop calling us racist, blah blah blah, and he's like, bitch, blah 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 blah, and it's like, right, okay, he's dead then, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, what? So it's like, I'm not a stereotype. Oh, sorry, maybe you're not a stereotype. I'm gonna perform exactly to stereotype. Okay, you're gonna die dead. And that's all it is for about 45 minutes or so, because they have to fit out the crowd. And then it kind of turns into this interesting, well, our priorities for if, you know, it's like if there's only going to be one person alive at the rest of this, at the end of this, maybe it should be the pregnant woman. Or maybe it should be the little girl. Or, you know, and then there are people who are like, well, no, hang on a second, I want to live. So then people start kind of voting with each other against the pregnant woman and stuff like that, like to try and like manipulate block voting. And then ah, they're yeah. like, well, and then there's like a husband and wife in there. And then the, the, like they say to the husband, like, well, if you vote with us, we'll, we won't vote for your wife and stuff and, and, and stuff like that. But you've got to vote with us because like previously he was thinking of voting with another, another group. And, you know, so it, it kind of starts doing quite interesting stuff like that for mm. about 20 minutes or so. And then it ends with a twist and then it just kind of ends. It's like, all oh, right, fine. <laughs> yeah. So there are, there are moments of interest, but the acting is terrible. Um, but it's it's basically like fifty people who are probably normally extras. Well, I, I, yeah, I was just having a look at the cast, and it, it, there's a lot of people in it. Yeah, like it's fifty but people. I, hardly any of them are are known. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it looks like it, it was pretty low budget. I mean, there's like one scene set outside, and then the rest of it is in this room. Um, so it looks like it, it it could have been shot in like a week, like a week or two. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at a review on Letterboxd, Cube 4, Circle. That's kind of, yeah, kind of. It did, it, 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 it always looked quite reminiscent of that, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's, I, I wouldn't recommend it, but, <laughs> and it, I feel like two out of five, but if the premise is interesting, you, you know, you maybe could do worse yeah maybe maybe <laughs> so there you go so that's circle um but like you say it's just one where i'd seen on netflix loads it was like fuck it that actually sounds like an interesting idea i've you know i've got an hour and a half why not so yeah um okay two more uh both movie watches fail safe sydney uh, lumet's film yes. which is fucking tense 
Holy is, fuck. Yeah. Holy fuck. Is it tense? So it's basically um, set around the Cold War. Um, a mechanical malfunction basically leads uh, US fighter pilots to go into Russia to nuke Moscow. But it was a genuine mistake. So it's the guys in the air wondering whether they should be do it, like should actually do it. And the guys down below, including the president, played by Henry Fonda, essentially trying to convince Russia that they're not meaning to do it. Um, the third act uh, made me so tense that I actually got indigestion. I think purely <laughs> as a result of clenching. And just being like, oh, I like seriously, there is anybody seen it will know what I'm talking about. There is something that the American president does at one point, which I cannot fucking believe they actually did in this film. Mm. I mean, it's stunning. And I believe George Clooney directed like a live t- like TV movie remake of this. Uh, I believe he might have done, yeah. And I am all over that. I really, really want to see that. Um, and I hope uh, no, he did direct it. He starred in it. It was Stephen Fryers who directed it. Oh, Stephen Fryers. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, I I am all well, over that. I'm Clooney, really... Clooney, Richard Dreyfus, Harvey Keitel, and Noah Weil. That sounds. Yeah. yeah there you go, Stephen Fryers. Nice. That. And Kazaria, Brian Dennehy, Sam Elliott. That's a decent, that's a decent cast. That yeah, mm. okay, that looks awesome. Um, uh, quite good time, yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm not going to say too much more because I didn't know a lot about it going in. Bloody hell, it's like a good twenty minutes shorter than the mm. uh, than the original. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, um, I'm not going to say much more about it because if you haven't seen it. You, you should totally watch it. Um, and last thing, Hitchcock's To Catch a Thief, um, in which Akeesh Lorraine is deemed to be the height of sophistication and Cary Grant laughs while two women fight over him in uh, in the sea. Um, re- very, very light. I mean, it starts, the opening titles is against a, like a picture outside like a holiday shop saying like, Beautiful France. And then it kind of zooms in on the picture and then it's France. So it's like the early Bond films where it's basically like travelogues. It's like showing yeah. ordinary people things they wouldn't be able to see. And that's basically what this film is, but with quite a fun little caper um, uh, going on with it as well. Um, Cary Grant plays a um, plays an ex-cat thief, uh, cat burglar, who... Uh, somebody starts copycatting him. He's trying to prove who they are, and um, I it was I thought it was kind of obvious who it actually was. The twist isn't great, but watching Cary Grant and Grace Kelly kind of interact is fun. Uh, there's a mother character in it, Grace Kelly's uh, yeah, Grace Kelly's mum in it. She that that actress is great. Um, Cary Grant teams up with this insurance guy. He's fun. It's a good little cast, light as a souffle, but it's it's a great deal of fun. Cool. Yeah, and I'm done. All right, cool. Uh, right, I shall jump in with mine then. Right, um, I rewatched um, Bad Neighbours. Uh, having watched 
Bad Neighbours 2, uh, or Neighbours 2 Sorority Rising, whatever oh. it's called in this country. Uh, really much Bad Neighbours. Um, have you watched this since it was at the cinema? Yeah, like once, yeah. You didn't, re- you didn't rewatch it. What do you think on a rewatch? Uh, pretty good. I don't know. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it again on rewatch, and I enjoyed it the first time round. But yeah, it, it still holds up on rewatch. It's, I found it less sort of nasty than I remember, a little bit more kind of playful than I remember it being. Um, so yeah, so I had, I had a, a lot of fun with my rewatch of, of that. Um, also, I uh, rewatched the Rupert Wainwright uh, movie Stigmata, which is literally one of the most nineties movies ever made. Um, nice. It's so painfully nineties. Um, Simon Patricia Arquette and uh, Gabriel Byrne. Um, I, I mean, I love me some fucking um, supernatural kind of Catholic movies and Catholicism movies, so it is a little bit like catnip to me. Um, and this is, you know, it's it's all over the place. It's hyper stylized. There's a lot of kind of it looks a little bit like somebody watched a lot of um, Tony Scott action movies and then tried to make a supernatural horror in the same kind of style. Uh, and it doesn't quite work out, and Patricia Agrette isn't fantastic in it. Uh, it's one of those where her weirdness goes a little bit too far one way, uh, that sort of quirkiness that she has. Uh, and Gabriel Byrne seems like he's playing Gabriel Byrne on holiday uh, a little bit. Um <laughs> The, uh, the music is by Billy Corgan as well, which is quite strange. Um, but it, it is a lot of fun. It's 10, 15 minutes too long. But like I say, it, it's it's kind of a... If, if you enjoyed it the first time round, going back to rewatch is fun. Not necessarily entertaining, though, is what I'll say. Okay. Um and then the, the sort of the three that, that I'll talk a little bit more about. I rewatched really Death Proof. Uh, first I've watched it in quite a few years, uh, despite the fact that I, re- I really enjoy Death Proof. Uh, and it is one of those that gets better every time I watch it, to be honest. Um, I find myself enjoying it and having fun with it the more and more I, I, I watch it, really. Um, it's of the, the two Grindhouse movies, it's the one that kind of feels more like um, somebody's having fun and doing a project rather than just making one of their own movies a little bit, which I'm not sure they're not that that falls more into kind of what uh, Tarantino and Rodriguez were doing or, or not, but it kind of makes me kind of enjoy this more because this feels like more like Tarantino is trying to make a movie inspired by Grindhouse movies, whereas Ronald Rodriguez has just made the normal type of movie he would make and then put a load of digital scratching and things on top of it. Mm. Um, but and not, not to say I actually, I actually really quite like Planet Terror uh, as well, actually. I, I do find that movie quite entertaining. But I find Death Proof to be a, have a little bit more um, to say in a weird way, or a little bit more about it, is what I'd say. I, I like the fact that it's split into two acts, and almost like two movies, so that the idea that Tarantino had, that where these, these Grindhouse movies were often shown as double bills, so you've got, they were originally shown as double bills, sort of Planet Terror and Death Proof, but obviously as, as much sort of scaled down versions of each other. Tarantino's almost, his full film is almost like that in itself, in of itself, you know, the same character. Uh, Russell's fantastic in it as this overblown character. Um, I, I like the interactions between the characters. Um, I will say that, that any time uh, Eli Roth's on screen, the, the, the appallingness of his acting ability is kind of on full display. It, it literally, you can almost see the cogs turn in his head as he's remembering his lines. Uh, it gets like that. But it, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, and Zoe Bell is, is a lot of fun on screen, um, doing essentially mad shit. Uh, and I, I did go and see this um, 
with a Q&A with Zoe Bell and um, Tarantino uh, where they were doing a Q&A after it. Um, and Zoe Bell just fucking swears so much. It is untrue. And she was actually wearing a dress um, during the What Is It? And she kept sitting with her legs sort of, with her legs normal, sort of like legs in front of her. And every so often, Tarantino was just leaning across and just closing her legs because she just kept on both her legs and sitting with her hand in front. And Tarantino was just closing her legs. And it's like, for a while, she kind of like didn't realise. Then all of a sudden, she went, oh, shit, I just realised why you're doing that. And then closed her and crossed her legs. Fucking hell. And Tarantino just burst out laughing. And then at one point, um, somebody asked Tarantino uh, the question of, you know, oh, the moment in the second half of the film, you know, where the car spins off the road, there's easily have been enough time to stop and have her get off the hood and then get in the car and have them set off again. And Tarantino goes, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and he just, he stops him dead. And the guy goes, the pretty goes, no, no, no. I, I, I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm telling you. I'm telling I'll ask you, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a question now. And the guy goes, yeah, he goes, have you ever driven a car at 50 mile an hour with a beautiful lady strapped to the front of it? He goes, well, no. And he says, right, we have. And I can answer you that question. No, there wouldn't. Next question. (laughs) And it was just fantastic in the way that he just shot this guy down. He didn't try and he didn't do it in a rude way. It was almost like he was offended by the question because the question was kind of saying, oh, yeah, that wouldn't happen, would it? And he's like, uh, it would. We did it. There you go. That's pretty good. Next okay. question, please. And it, it's fantastic. Listening to Tantina talk about film is is incredibly engaging. It, it, it's that thing. Is he's a personality in of himself, and it's it's fantastic. And it was a great experience sort of seeing that that Q and A. Um, another film I, I, I watched. Uh, I rewatched Dazed and Confused, uh, inspired obviously uh, by. Everybody wants some. Um, a movie I've seen more times than I care to mention. Um, but it really is, uh, it really is fantastic. It's like a warm hug of a movie. Once you start watching it, you're introduced back at these characters and very much similar to Bane's who every once in a while. There's no real bad guys. You know, Ben Affleck gets about as close to being a bad guy as you can, but it's more, you look at him and you go, yeah, I know that guy. I, I know that guy from when I went to school. It's the guy who always took things a little bit too far and a little bit too serious and wasn't bright enough to know that that, that they were the arsehole. Yeah. That's who Ben Affleck is. And he's probably still the arsehole in the group. But I guarantee you, he's the guy where if you were having a shitty day and you rang him and said, do you want to go for a beer? He'd go, absolutely. Yeah. You know, he's an arsehole, but he's, he's our arsehole. It's that kind of thing. Um, it is, I mean, it's insane when you look back at this cast of, at the time, essentially kind of unknowns. You know, you've got Jason London there, but Rory Cochran's in there, Matthew McConaughey's in there, Adam Goldberg's in there, um, you know, Marisa Rabis is in there, Cole Hauser's there, Nicky Cat, Ben Affleck himself, Mila Jokovic, Parker Posey, Rene Zellwinger's in it very briefly. It, it's, it's amazing that this is a snapshot of people that would go on to be either huge stars like Affleck and McConaughey or um, great kind of character actors and you know it's that guy from like people like Goldberg and Cole Hauser, Parker Posey, Nicky Cat. you know when you look through it their careers have, have all gone fantastically well but they've never they've never done that big huge sort of breakout role thing um, it's 
it is a great sort of snapshot of, of, of sort of 70s Americana. It looks fantastic. It works fantastic. It's all set over one day, essentially. Um, and, and you sort of watch it going, you know, it's almost like the, the weird thing is when you sort of see stuff like, uh, for instance, a movie uh, like Bad Neighbours, that 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 isn't a true snapshot of what that of what fraternity life is like. It, it's it's a it's a hyperized version of it. It's it's blown out of a bosh. It's a Hollywood Hollywoodized version of it. Whereas this almost feels level enough to be a, 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 an actual kind of experience of, of that kind of era. And not everyone's polished and looks perfect. Everything you know, it, it doesn't look. Um, too too perfect, too pristine. Uh, there's enough kind of going on there where you could go, yeah, that's 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 that. You know, yes, Jason London is a good-looking guy, but he's not perfectly put together. He is your standard college quarterback look. Uh, whereas you get the feeling that he'd be made now, he'd be absolutely fucking ripped and he'd be perfect looking, and you know he wouldn't be an attainable actually to look like kind of guy. Uh, and it all kind of works fantastically. The soundtrack is incredible, uh, and it's got some iconic lines. You know, the minute McConaughey comes on, you go, "Oh, here we go!" And within a few seconds, he does the "All right, all right, all right," and you go, "This is brilliant." It's just you—you almost feel at home with these characters. It's fantastic. It's dazed and confused, and it doesn't. There's never a point in it where you're going, ah, oh, this bit don't work. Every bit works in it. It's fantastic. Absolutely, man. And I have some breaking news. Oh, yep. Yeah. The Neon Demon uh, has just screened in Cannes. Yeah. Robbie Collin, the Neon Demon got exactly the reception I'm sure Reffin was hoping for. Audience members literally shouting abuse at the screen. How do I even <laughs> review that now? It's basically Death Becomes Her with explicit lesbian necrophilia. Oh, that's... Do you know what? Yes. Like... Yeah. uh, Zan Brooks, dumbstruck by the neon demon, Reffin's Nightmare Fairy Tale of L.A., Savage and Sublime, an assault on the senses, so naturally they booed it. Yeah. Right, that... Yeah, that sounds fine. That's... I'm all for that. Yeah, but sorry, and continue. <laughs> Ian, on to my final one, a movie you were all for. All right. um, Zoolander 2. Oh, or Zoolander okay. or Zoolander number 2. I love um, how I bloody came out saying I think it's one of the best comedy sequels of all time, and then not a single fucking review I read was positive about it. Right, the 2016 um, sequel <laughs> to... Um, what, when was it? Like 2005? 2001. 2001? Was it that long ago? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, you know, um, written and directed by Ben Stiller, uh, also Justin Theroux, Nicholas Stoller, and he's also in there on writing, um, starring loads of people, quite literally loads of people, including a lot of uh, people as themselves. Um, Zoolander 2, nobody likes this movie apart from Ian. And me. Yay! <laughs> um, because the reason why I like this movie is it feels like they started writing the sequel in about 2003. Or having ideas for the sequel in 2003. And started making it in 2015. But just kept all of the jokes <laughs> that ran along from then. There is so so much going on in this movie it is tricky to kind of take on board 
there are so many things thrown at it that some of it lands and some of it doesn't. But when it lands, it's so interesting and so... What? (laughs) That it works. That it works really, really well. The one thing I'll say is, it's not perfect. And a lot of it doesn't work. And a lot of it is, really? Really? Suzanne Boyle? Sting? That doesn't... Not, what? What? The, the, the Suzanne Boyle one made me go, ah, oh, fuck off, I don't even know who she is. I know of the name, I know where she came from. But honestly, if I was stood next to her at a bus stop, I wouldn't recognise her. I so just, I didn't recognise her in that. I like the idea of a load of screaming fans chasing after Susan Boyle, or like wanting Susan Boyle's autograph. I just think that's funny. Sorry. Uh, I enjoy the fact that MC Hammer is in the fashion police prison. That's fucking amazing. I enjoy the fact that they all they couldn't work out what Neil deGrasse Tyson did, but they knew they liked him. Yeah. <laughs> was good, was funny, and... Uh, them try to work out what the guy uh, who was completely all about irony, the uh, designer, oh, yeah. was going on about, and they just kept looking at him. <laughs> was 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 amusing. Um, Will Ferrell does what Will Ferrell does in tight these type of movies, where he turns up and fucking just steals it. It's it's stupid. It's ridiculous. I it finished, and I thought I shouldn't like that, but I kind of do. I kind of did like it. The bits of his son were terrible, but I actually quite enjoyed them. Will Ferrell's plot is fucking mental. Yeah, it's just just so fucking strange as a movie. Yeah. I I did kind of quite enjoy it. Keith Sutherland uh, as a as just travelling around as part of this. Oh my party. god! Like just the fact that you've got Kiefer Sutherland saying that shit to Owen Wilson, yeah, and like with no smirk on his face whatsoever, like with a tear running down his face. <laughs> I, I, I just the fact that he basically just calls him orgy. Yeah, I, I, I just it's. <laughs> I I really, 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 really like Zoolander 2, and I don't care who knows it. I really fucking... I think it's... That film is so fucking funny to me. I I, I will say I enjoyed it. It's a solid 7 out of 10 for me. I, I watched it and went into it absolutely with an open mind uh, going into it, but I did think... I, 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 I'm hoping this is going to be all right, but I have a feeling this is going to be crap. As and so, by the end of it, yeah. I just went... I don't really know what to think about that, but I know that I didn't hate it, and I laughed enough that I liked it. And do you know what? I'd probably watch it again, so therefore, I think I liked it. <laughs> as soon as Ben Stiller left that place in an Uber at the start, I was... <laughs> yes, I, like I was, I was very, very up for it. I mean, Billy Zane is the weird, shamanic messenger. Like, yeah, yeah. just... Gold. I'm looking forward to watching it again. Gold. Yeah, I, I, I will say I enjoyed Zoolander 2. Uh, I didn't expect to, but I am very glad I did. Fucking right. Uh, so that, that's all I've got. We do have a few questions this week as well. I'll yeah, boys. them up now. Uh, first one is from um, 
Rich Kid, uh, at Rich Chair Kid, uh, what film do you want to see a spiritual, if not literal, sequel to? So a spiritual, but not necessarily literal. Yes. Well, that's difficult. Hmm. I'd, I'd like to see a spiritual sequel to the John Hughes movies. I don't know which one, but either Breakfast Club or Pretty in Pink. Mm. Just because I, 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 I like the kind of... I like the, the, the kind of world that that's set in, that universe that that's set in. It'd be nice if, they, let's say, he's a state when, you know, look, here's a script that you have written, that you wrote around the same time as you wrote those. There you go. And gave it to somebody and they made... They made it. Hmm. There's a lot of films, that's the thing. There is a lot of films, yeah. It's not just like ten. <laughs> this is this is really this is really playing me in this one, isn't it? I quite like My Neighbor Totoro too, where the girls are grown up. And Totoro and Catbus are now demonic forces plaguing them. <laughs> just really, like, just go... The thing is, I've now watched My Neighbor Totoro so many times in my life, or, or specific bits of My Neighbor Totoro. I have now watched the Catbus scene in the rain in My Neighbor Totoro so much that I now want to see Catbus just eat the kids. <laughs> of course, my name is Totoro. I have the Japanese poster on my chinny breast, so I see my name is Totoro pretty much all of the time. Just that one image from it. I've, I've literally got, I'm looking at a, a Japanese poster of my name is Totoro now. Yeah. Is it the, the, the bus stop one? No, it's um, it's like a kind of split image thing of the, the girls sitting on the uh, tree uh, at the end where they're looking in at the hospital with cat bus. Oh, yes. And uh, then, like, Totoro flying with them as well. Uh, I'll tell you what, I am loving this. Um, iTunes wanted to do an update of my phone when I plugged in my phone into my computer, and now it's trying to update it and saying an unknown error has occurred and now won't actually let me, um, like, boot up my phone. It just stays stuck at the update screen. Oh, you have to do a reset. Thanks, Apple. Do your reset. Sake. Anyway, sorry. No, no problem. Uh, question number two is uh, Marcus Zizou uh, at Team Zizou. Uh, if you could bring one actor and one actress back from the dead and cast them in one more film, who would you choose? John Candy in the Kurt Russell role in Hateful Eight. That's fucking good, that. It'd be That's different. Fucking... That's fucking good, though, that. Um, mine was going to be John Cazale in anything, because let's face it, that fucking film would be incredible. Patrick Swayze is the kid in Room. <laughs> Make it a better fucking film. Um, yeah, that's a good one, that one. <laughs> John Candy's a really good shout. John Candy in a, in, a, in a Tarantino movie would fucking work, wouldn't it? Richard Pryor as Django Unchanged. Changed. Oh, that would be a much different movie. <laughs> uh, Natalie Wood would be my female one. That's not a bad shout. Doing what? I don't know. Um, 
Natalie Wood doing... I don't know, I'd just like to have seen... I don't, do we have to specify the film? Yeah. I think we have to specify the film. Uh, you don't have to if you don't want to. Uh, I'll have a think. Uh, Natalie Wood in... Something. <laughs> I can't think of anything now. Solid. But John Cazale, I'd like him to be cast uh, alongside... Um, Alongside Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Joe Pesci in Martin Scorsese's upcoming movie, The Irishman. Nice. Yes. Nice, because, that's good. Because, uh, uh, let's face it, Scorsese returning with De Niro and bringing Pacino along for the ride and throwing Pesci in there, that is excitement overload for me, that one. Solid. I think that's going to be incredible. Yeah, man. That's uh, very, very, very exciting. Even though apparently Joe Pesci is a little bit. I'm not too sure if I want to like actually do it or not because he's in retirement. I was reading an article. He's very ill, isn't he? Yeah, actually, I was reading an article yesterday saying that Lewis C.K. wanted him to star in that web show he did, Horace and Pete, Mm. and he he said to Lewis C.K., "I've seen some of your stand up. It looks like you're not trying and you're not very good at it." (laughs) Well, um, Pesci's only done a couple of movies in the past, sort of like decade or so and one of them was the uh, De Niro directed The Good Shepherd, the Shepherd yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the, the scenes that he's in he thinks he's in two scenes and they're both on a porch and uh, and he's talking to um, well I think one of the scenes talking to De Niro's character this scene he's talking to Matt Damon's character um, and De Niro sort of said to Pesci what you should do this and Pesci was recovering from cancer at the time um, and he's like no I'm not doing it I'm not doing it I'm not doing it so De Niro literally turned up at his house and said, yes, you are. You fucking owe me. We're shooting it now. And gave him the script, and he just went, ah, all right, I'll do it. And that's how he got Pesci to do it, was literally told him, you're doing it. You're doing it. Um, so I I'd, I'd, I'd hope that, that, that they literally say to him, there, you're doing it. You're doing it. Because, it, you know, any Pesci's fantastic, Pesci, and it'd be amazing to see those guys kind of all back together and doing their thing. It'd be, it's one of the movies that I, I hope more than anything that I've, that's probably ever been made is good. That's a fair shout, yeah, yeah. Because, um, because you know, that team deserved to make a good movie. And I very much doubt that, I mean, Scott says he doesn't make bad movies. That's just a fact. We know that. It, it's been well established. Um, and you, you kind of get the feeling that that that, that it'd be it kind of be fitting if, if that kind of was kind of like Scorsese. Scorsese essentially has said that that he hopes this is kind of his last movie in a way that he'd like to go out on this. And I think if Scorsese is aiming to go out on something, he's going to go out on a fucking high. Yeah, bloody right, man. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. It would just be such an appropriate film to go out on as well. Exactly. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing if that one best picture? Scorsese got best director, De Niro got best actor, and Pesci got best supporting. It'd be kind of like it'd be the combination of all of these guys' incredible careers and the amazing sort of entertainment they've given us over the years. Totally. Uh, yeah. So, um, anything else to, to add, Ian, or, or is that episode 160 in the bag? I think that's episode 160 in the bag. I think it is episode 160 in the back. What are we covering next week, Ian? We know, don't we? Yeah, boy, we're going to do um, X-Men Apocalypse, which has been getting some not great word. I, I read one tweet review of it, and I can't remember what it was, and it said, uh, it said uh, X-Men Apocalypse is not as good as Dawn of... Shit, what's it called? Dawn of Justice, is it? 
Superman one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as good as Dawn of Justice, and Dawn of Justice was shit. That is the only bit I read about, and I thought, hmm, yeah, I can kind of see that. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of an old fuck, isn't it? I, I I hope it's good, but the so far the trailers make it look like it looked like a movie that was made twenty years ago. Mm. I'm worried. Yeah, I'm very worried. Yeah, um, like to be fair, the marketing's been worrying all along as well. So yeah, I, 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 I'm looking at it going. Uh, Oscar Isaac doesn't make bad movies. He makes good choices, which makes me then go, oh, that means he's Jewish shit one. Yeah. That means that means he's due a sorry guys <laughs> kind of one. The thing is, he's so caked in makeup here that no one's even going to know it was him. So he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he can literally go, "No, on me." I'm, I'm sure it was. No, no, no. Hey, hey, remember that bit where I where I slapped Finn on the side in Star Wars? Oh yeah, we do remember that. Yeah, you remember X Men now? What exactly? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. But we'll see. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Look, as ever, I hope I go in and come out and go. You know what? I enjoyed that. I mean, the, um, good, the good thing is, I don't think either of us, and I think it's fair to say, no, don't ha- hold the X Men films up to be the um, like the high watermark. Yeah. No. Of of superhero cinema. So you know, I mean, let's let's see what happens. Hey, Rose Burns in it, so that'll be good. Yeah. Uh, just as long as she looks like she's had a decent meal, I'm worried for her. I'm not gonna lie, I'm worried for her. I do feel, I, I feel a little bit like if I was on craft services, I would go, "Yep, it's low fat milk in there all the way." And then as soon as she turned around, I'd go, "Oh, fat." Just, yeah. just to kind of beef her up a little bit because she don't look well, bless her. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> on that note, that was episode 160. We hope you enjoyed it, guys. Uh, at Dude the Monkey on Twitter, at Ian Loring on Twitter, at Dude on Twitter, Dude Monkey at gmail.com, and we will speak to you guys next week. Bye! Bye!